Hey, Whipple! You've been giving the missus here a tough time for squeezing new shaman bathroom tissue. But there's a sign. Honey, there's a sign. Oh, but Herman, new shaman's so squeezably soft. And that gentle fragrance. And the price is gentle, too. It does feel soft. But you've got to be strong and resistant, like us guys. Right, Whipple? Whipple. Mr. Whipple. New Charmin bathroom tissue from Procter & Gamble. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you're listening to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. Scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. And I'm the one, Kate Rambo. Hello. Kate Rambo, I got the uh, post Thanksgiving shits. Like most Americans <laughs> do that right now. That is too honest. And it's also what um, not my generation, the one below me, would call TMI. TMI, you, David. You do not. You did not celebrate Thanksgiving properly if you don't take at least three dumps the next day. And I'm not well, talking this, just like a couple, you know, little nuggets. I'm talking like real dumps, like an American there's dump. There's literally only one country that celebrates Thanksgiving. And guess what? It's not the country that rules the world. Well, I don't live in this country. <laughs> you will soon. And you'll be taking a Thanksgiving <laughs> dump just like me. So the key... Can the, we have side-by-side toilets? <laughs> Like my sister. <laughs> the key to enjoying Thanksgiving, though, is, and a lot of Americans already know this, you need to starve yourself for at least 48 hours beforehand. Some Americans do 72, and this will make room for all the food that you'll eat on Thanksgiving Day. Because the goal is to eat at least twice your body weight. I hate this already. I don't, I don't want to participate <laughs> in this. It's very carb-intensive, and, and you win Thanksgiving if you eat the most and if you have the most dumps the next day. <laughs> oh, is that how you win <laughs> at Thanksgiving, win. is it? Is that how traditionally the pilgrims celebrated? Well, kind of, but it also still is applicable to uh, modern times because this, this mainly applies to the Midwest and the East Coast where it gets much colder. But if you eat enough on Thanksgiving, then you're able to successfully hibernate inside your trailer for the winter months. So you put on the Thanksgiving holiday weight. That that would kind of make sense over here. We were just battered by 100 mile per hour winds. I would like to have hibernated through that like a big old bear. That's what you need. Stomach full of pie. You need to gorge yourself on like sweet potatoes and no, I hate sweet potatoes. turkey and stuffing and all the other gross Thanksgiving food that they fucking (laughs) shove down their throats. But you know, it's like Winter cold places like Nebraska, Kansas, or Iowa, they get really cold, so you need this Thanksgiving weight. Like Wisconsin, that's why the women there weigh at least 100 pounds more than women everywhere else. Are you saying the women of Wisconsin are homely, D. Simon? I'm just saying they're large. Same with Michigan. (laughs) You have to be. It's geographical. You'd freeze. And the thing is, back in the day, you're supposed to shed, you know, that weight by the summer. Don't need to do that anymore. Because now you just oh. you proudly display your round body in a two piece piece bathing suit at the lake. You know it's it's fine. Get on your pontoon it, boat. There's also global warming. Let it hang happening out. Happening too. Why not, man? Let it all hang out. I'm pretty sure in caveman days they'd let it all hang out. The caveman didn't give a shit. 
Well, but that's the thing. Now you just tag these pontoon boat photos in your bikini or what you can barely see of your bikini. Just tag it with like thick, T-H-I-C-C, and it's fine. Who cares? You know what I do hate? I am about to get on a steel rant. Hello, John Steele, thinking of you always. Every day, John Steele. Like yeah, I'm sure he listens every every episode. I'm sure John Steele does. <laughs> but I think he is right. Thick is not fat. Thick is Marilyn Monroe. Like where you are curvy, but your stomach is still flat and you're just you're just a big gal. Thick does not mean fat. And then the fat movement taking thick and making it their own. It disgraces. That's what I'm saying. Is they they've taken thick was T H I C K into T H I C C, and now it's just fat girls embrace that hashtag. Well, it's not right. I tell you, being overweight is just as deadly to your health as being underweight. But Doesn't matter anymore. My soapbox. Just you're like thick. You're not getting on your soapbox about Thanksgiving. Let well, it go. you're going to love this time of year because this is where we <laughs> thank the Indians, Feather, not Slurpee, uh, for saving us with their special Indian corn. It's called maize. Maize. So maize is just corn, isn't it? There's no difference. It's just what they called corn. I have no fucking clue. I think just like corn on the cob. That's corn. That's what they offered you guys to stop you from starving. Corn. I well, I think what happened is uh, so. Let let me tell you the history. I (laughs) I didn't grow up in this country. Obviously, so a lot of this information is is secondhand hearsay. You know, things I've uh, you know heard over the years, and I've cobbled together in in you know to really I guess come formulate my own history of Thanksgiving. So the Pilgrims, they came here in uh, what late 17th century, I think, late 1600s. My dudes got on a boat, came over. Best of my dudes. Well, they were persecuted by the English for religious reasons. So the Pilgrims, too right. Well, they, want, they didn't want to be beheaded every time they committed adultery and had to ask for a divorce. So they're like, fuck this. Now let's get out of here. Make I thought it was rules. the real pious dudes, though. And we were like, fuck it. We just want to shag everyone. I thought, well, I thought, I thought the Catholics would give you a divorce and the pilgrims are Protestants, right? Up until Henry VIII. This is getting too deep for me now. I don't know. Anyway, they came over on four boats. There was the Mayflower. There's the Pinto. The Plymouth. And the pacer. And Pinto. uh Pinto bean. No, the Pinto. I think it was called like the Pinto Maria or something. Anyway. I mean you're making that up. No, this is I'm pretty sure this is the boats that they uh you you can read about it. <laughs> anyway, they settled in Massachusetts and they were led by Cotton Mather, Strom Thurmond, a guy named Jebediah, I think. I'm not sure. And then the guy that found the Jesus sunglasses and started the Mormons. Remember that guy, Joseph Smith? Harrison. No, the he Jesus didn't start sunglasses. the Mormons. No, the, he found like those Jesus like angel sunglasses that you could read the Mormon tablets with. Joseph Smith. What about the What about the dude who disappeared at Roanoke? Which one was he? I don't think he was a pilgrim, was he? I don't know, but he's the guy I probably would have followed. Nah, you'd have followed the guy with the Jesus sunglasses. He was rad. That's probably true. Jim Jones. <laughs> yes. But anyway, I'm Jim Jones on this journey. They weren't prepared for the weather. The weather of, like, for the nor'easters, you know, the weather of uh, North America. So, so what happens? They're freezing to death. They're starving. They didn't know how to make food. And the Indians were like, "We're going to give you some food." And then what we did is we gave them smallpox blankets in return. <laughs> and the then, English are wankers, man. And then we just started killing all the local sluts that we call witches, you know, because there are some back sass from those sluts. I agree. It's the English way. 
just go, just be wankers. Every new country we go, we go into, just get a bad reputation. And that's how the English set up shop. Well, they are the worst tourists. But anyway, oh. so what happened is we were going to die. And the Indians gave us all this food. We had a big Thanksgiving feast. But the most important thing to come out of Thanksgiving is uh, the bog cloth, which I believe people still use bog cloths in Northern England and Scotland to this day, right? Please explain to me what a bog cloth is. Well, my, my dad always had one. It's you know, <laughs> much like the shit hanger. I've always thought it was an English custom. And uh, he used to say, like, you need to be prepared if you don't have toilet paper. And it was kind of like a, a handkerchief, but it was like grittier. It was like thicker, like more durable than just like a, a handkerchief. And basically you just used it, you know, for wiping. And you put it in your back pocket. Or I think English women carry it in their purse, like Northern English women. I don't have a bog cloth. I have maybe a cum <laughs> towel or a cum handkerchief because accidents happen, but I don't have anything to You've uh, never had a, what do you wipe. what do you wipe with when you don't have toilet paper? Do you know what's funny is I remember when the you know the when the pandemic kicked off and everyone was buying toilet paper like it was literally going out of fashion. And you just got a bog I cloth? Did, I did think what would I do if I ran out of toilet paper and I was umming and ahhing over it. I was like I've got all these books. I probably have like maybe like what 500 books. And then it hit me. I was like I could just use a fucking t-shirt. Well, that's pretty much a bog cloth. It's just a t-shirt, right? It's just like a t-shirt from a support band that you saw in the year 2000 that you don't give a shit about. That's a bog cloth. Oh, you are giving, what I'm going to start you calling giving all shit my cum towels it. now is bog cloth. <laughs> but, but I think that's what, what happens. Like, you know, English people didn't realize that there's disposable bog cloths. Of, and plus they're cheap. I'd say on the, on the whole, English people are definitely frugal. Not cheap, frugal. And I think with you were like, I'm not going to waste my money on this like temporary paper that I wipe my ass with and flush. I'd rather just carry my bog cloth around. And then when I need it, I would use it, put it back in my pocket, wash it maybe a couple times a month. There you go. That's why you know? the English smell. And one of the many reasons. But that's a, the that's a thing. You know, it's gross. And so Americans solved the problem for you guys, much like we did with the German problem a few decades later. Oh, you so- stopped that. We got to that last episode. <laughs> Not again. I, don't, I think it might have been Strom Thurmond who was taking his, like, fourth Thanksgiving dump and was like, fuck this bog cloth bullshit. What if we had a cheap type of cloth paper that I could wipe my ass with? And I think that's how it all started there, Kate Rambo. Is this, is this your in-depth study? Is this your thesis? Your sheet? <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> this is the, his, the sick and wrong history of toilet paper. Because believe me, I've used a lot the past couple of days. I think most Americans have. You know, but, you know, people, the thing is, and I know, uh, you know, I'm obviously making a little fun with the, the bog cloth, but people have had to wipe their ass with something. We've been shitting for thousands of years. Can I just talk about, I still don't know how the free seashells work. Did you ever figure it out? How did the free seashells work? When people wipe their like ass with seashells? From Demolition Man. And he, he makes a point of it. It's an inside joke where she's like, oh, you don't know how the free seashells work. We did away with toilet paper years ago because we have the free seashells. I don't think I remember this. We One of did, the main things I Said something about. to Stallone about it. And Stallone had to wipe his ass with seashells? Stallone doesn't know how it works. And they all laugh at him. They're like, oh, toilet paper got banned years ago. We have the free seashells now, buddy. How does Is it that, work? But even, that's what I mean. Even I've like spent years hours pondering 
how the free seashells would work. Like, do you just like scrape your ass with one and then use the other one to clean the other seashell? What's the other seashell for? Why is there a third one? I don't see why you'd use a seashell. Free is a magic why, number. Why wouldn't you use like they're a seashells. sea sponge? The other thing about the seashells is that they're pearlescent. They're beautiful. They don't look like any shit has ever, ever touched them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Why, why would you use a sea sponge? A bog sponge. I don't know why. There, there's a lot we could talk about it from Demolition Man. But anyway, people have had to wipe their ass with something, whether it be shells, whether it be a bog cloth. The most common solution over time was just to grab what was at hand. Coconuts, shells, snow, yes. moss. No. You know, corn cobs, sheep's wool. And later on, thanks to the printing press, you had newspapers and magazines, almanacs, things like that. Um, but what was popular depended kind of, kind of on region and personal preference as well as wealth. So rich people often, you know, wipe their rich anuses with hemp, lace, or wool. Poor lace. people. I'm yeah. sorry, I can get behind lace. I can get behind It'd be lace. soft on your anus. Why oh, not? That's decadent. Poor people, on the other hand, would often simply have to just shit in a river and clean off with the water or just rags or wood shavings, like a handful of wood shavings and wipe your ass with that, you know? Like you're a cat. Or apple husks was a very common thing amongst the poor. Um, seaweed, ferns, pretty much whatever you had in hand that was cheap or free. Now, the thing is, though, toilet paper, as we know it today, wasn't invented till like you know, the 1800s, but... There were wiping items that were used by historical cultures such as uh, the ancient Romans. So what the Romans did is, uh, and this was also in public restrooms, they had a sponge on a stick that would sit in salt water. So the sponge on the stick would be in salt water and be placed in, in, you know, back in the salt water when it was done. So you just pretty much took the, the sponge off the, uh, that was on the stick out of the salt water, you wiped your ass with it, just put it right back in the shit bucket. Right, can I just say that firstly, my my first instinct to that is fucking gross because you're washing yourself with someone else's rag on a stick. And my second reaction to that is, I wash myself with rag on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the cell water would disinfect it. Uh, ancient gross, Greeks, though. they would use uh, stones and pieces of clay, which I imagine would make it a little more muddy down there, don't you think? Mud yeah, butt. I don't get the... I don't get the well, clay, if you get the right texture of it, is just kind of like a stone, isn't it? And then that's maybe more like the free seashells of Demolition Man, because you can, like, scrape Well, it I'm off. sure the but poor people would use seashells. I would rather use a leaf. Wouldn't you just be like, a leaf is going to feel better than a stone against my asshole? I'm only going to use lace. a stone against their asshole? I'm only using lingerie. Just lace. <laughs> lace from now on, baby. So decadent <laughs> and satin. Maybe some fur. So back during this era, America's favorite wiping items tend to be corn cobs. Very useful. You know, you eat the <laughs> corn. Well, I mean, it's, it could absorb a lot. It could hold a lot of, uh, you know, fecal matter. So you could just wipe with it. It's got, you know, it's more of a utensil. So you just kind of wipe it. I was going to say, are you sure that the Americans weren't shoving it up <laughs> inside themselves to definitely make sure that they were clean? Well, you have to, you have to be thorough when you clean your anus. Um, later on... The pages of a Sears and Roebuck catalog or the Farmer's Almanac became very, very popular. If you think about it, you had reading and wiping material all in one, which a lot of people said that about my book, which I don't know if I agree with that, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> then now the 16th century French writer, Francois Rabelais, uh, in his work Gargantua and Pantagruel, he notes that after pooping, he thought paper was pointless. 
Who his foul tail with paper wipes shall at his ballocks leave some chips. You understand what he's saying? Say that again. Who his foul tail with paper wipes shall at his ballocks leave some chips. Oh, so if you are wiping your asshole with paper, then you're going to leave some little nuggets near your box. Some dingleberries, exactly. Some dingleberries. It was a problem with the French. It was a problem that plagued the French for generations. So what Rabelais... I don't Rabelais, think the French women would care. <laughs> that out <there>. What Rabelais <laughs> recommended was the neck of a goose that is well downed. That works best. <laughs> and that might often be... That could be softer than lace if you think about it. Oh, the French. Yes, but goose are very territorial creatures. Have you ever been around a goose? A gander? Have you ever gandered a goose? Well, I'm thinking you probably, it's probably a dead goose. You're not using a live goose to wipe your ass. Oh my, well, I'm telling you, if you were using a live goose to wipe your ass, you would soon lose your bollocks. You would eat them. (laughs) Now in India and other Middle Eastern countries and uh, many areas of the north of England, the preferred method was to wipe using nothing but your left hand in water. And then of course... I'm just saying Americans changed a lot for you guys. Just put it that way. Um, but you're supposed to wash your hand well afterwards and, and don't handle any food, you know, with uh, with with a wiping hand. Just handle food with a non-wiping hand. This was before soap was invented as well. It's just like, just wash your hand in like the river that's flowing nearby. You'll be fine. I like this. For semen, uh, the common thing was used to use old frayed anchor cables and a bit of seawater for rinsing. That's like a pirate's a pirate bidet. <laughs> yes, nope. add more salt into the semen and see what happens. <laughs> um, the Inuits and other people living in the more frigid regions would tend to take clumps of snow, like wiping snow. You know, like have you ever seen the black snow, the brown snow? <laughs> um, <laughs> wiping snow. <laughs> well, they would have wiping snow. It was an Eskimo bidet. Is what that was. That now, makes more sense to me than a stone, though. Because the, the snow, clay. Like, yes, it, yes, it will be like cold and it will make you like purse up, but it's it's still water essentially. That's going to give you the most for a cleaning than anything else. And cold water kills germs. The neck of a goose that is well downed gives you the best cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's toilet Frenchy. paper, toilet paper. The first reference in history of toilet paper dates back to the sixth century A.D. in the Chinese imperial courts. And amongst other wealthy citizens of China, um, there is an annual manufacture of around 10 million packages of toilet paper in the Zhejiang province alone. And this is like by the this is around like the 14th century. So they had already been using toilet paper. I wonder if the Egyptians, what the Egyptians must have used. Oh, the Egyptians probably had some something very fancy, I would imagine. Maybe a cat. I could have. Yeah, a hairless cat. A shit cat. But, you know, the toilet paper from China didn't really catch on with the rest of the world. A Muslim traveler to China in the 8th century noted, the Chinese are not careful about cleanliness, and they do not wash themselves with water when they've done their necessities. They only wipe themselves with paper. Can I say that that is totally the opinion of Eastern Europeans to this day? They think we are animals for only using dry toilet paper. You've got to use, like, the wet toilet paper, the wet wipes. Are you using what? But but what about like just bidets in general? Like uh, like the, you know we're gonna get to yeah, like some would, of the toilets of Japan and all that. We'll but talk about that later on. But definitely, 
the Eastern European think we are crazy animals. We're masochists for wiping our assholes with just dry toilet paper. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of gross. Like, you're just basically just wiping the feces in more, you know? Yeah. I can... I can like, for your asshole, I can understand that's used something, like, wet. But for your, for your fanny, for your pussy, to me, that just calls out yeast and cystitis city. You need, you need a dry rag for your vagina. Bog cloth. You need a bog cloth, which is from now on what I'm going to call it. But that's the thing with, uh, you know, with toilet paper, especially like post-Thanksgiving. I mean, it's, it's like peanut butter in a shag carpet. Toilet paper's not going to do much. <laughs> this is such a pleasant episode. I hope everyone's eating breakfast. Americans know what I'm talking about. We've all just eaten a lot of food the past couple of days, you know? Um. So when did toilet paper really get its start, Kate Rambo? Tell me. I, I don't know. In my mind, I want to say, over then, you know, China had that spree where they just fucking invented everything. I want to say the 1950s. Actually, 100 years earlier. Toilet paper was invented in 1857 by a New York entrepreneur named Joseph Gaiety. Oh, what who, a lovely name. He claimed his medicated sheets prevented hemorrhoids. I think we have a picture of uh, Joe Gaiety. <laughs> Joking. Yeah, so he used aloe infused sheet. There it is. There's the medicated paper. They're called gaieties. I love this picture. This medicated picture gives paper. me extreme Steve MRE 1989. Like, this is Steve MRE. He probably owns some of these. Do you think he's ever used one? Uh, no. He has used the, um, the toilet paper that comes in rations, though, because he talks about it. Well, so these are the first products really designed to uh, wipe one's asshole. It's aloe-infused sheets of manila hemp uh, dispensed from, like, these boxes. And uh, Joseph Gaiety claimed that these sheets had medicinal usage. And he was so proud of his bathroom paper that he had his name, Gaiety, printed on all the sheets. But his Fine, su- good for him. Well, his success was kind of uh, limited and short-lived because Americans had already become accustomed to wiping with a Sears catalog. So why spend money, you know, on a, on another item? Like, why spend money on something at, when you could wipe for free? Would this be at posh people's houses only? Well, probably, because his toilet paper sold at the time for 50 cents a pack. So 50 cents for one of these packs, which would be about $14 today. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So it had to have I'm been affluent people. Yeah. I'm going to the next picture. The next picture is actually uh, Mr. Gaiety himself. There he is. Perforated paper. And they, it came with about 500 sheets per package. But yeah, once again, people are like, I'm not spending $14 on this. I can wipe with my hand. You know? As a woman, can I just say, your 500 sheets last me a day. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Women do tend to use a lot of toilet paper. Well, we have to use it for ones and twos. Thank you very much. That just is to true. to give you a bit of like a scientific lesson there. Now, in 1890, toilet paper technology... Definitely moved uh, quite a bit forward. Uh, Two brothers named Clarence and E. Irvin Scott popularized the concept of toilet paper on a roll. Revolutionary concept. And so then uh, around, like just around that time, they, they were selling products from a push cart. This is before they actually came out with toilet paper. And they started making and selling toilet paper. It's just one of the things that they would go around and, uh, and, and sell from their cart to local people and uh, factory workers and things like that. The Scots brand name became more successful than Gaiety's medicated wipes, mainly because 
they would sell the toilet paper to hotels and drugstores and allow the hotels to brand it. So if you see, I think the picture, the next picture here, you see a Waldorf Hotel. Um, this is like a picture of their own branded toilet paper. There it is. Waldorf Hotel would make their own, but all the hotels would do would have their own Scott branded toilet paper. So this they is have... also, you know, in Rocky Horror, I know you're not a fan, but there's a point where they go, great Scott, and you have to throw scott scott toilet, toilet paper. paper well you can yeah. still get scott toilet paper oh can you is that a thing yeah. in america it doesn't exist over here no no it's you can definitely get scott toilet paper unfortunately my family had uh no connection to that you know the creation <laughs> of that toilet paper whatsoever um but yeah i mean it was an innovative concept because here they're actually doing marketing they're allowing these uh you know hotels to to sell to basically brand their own toilet paper to sell it and it wasn't coated with like aloe and, and medicated their product was just rolls of somewhat soft soft paper although splinters would occur every now and then so that's like basically your tesco value toilet paper to this very day well you can get the rough rough toilet paper it almost feels you more like paper your... towel yeah it's like tracing paper You're yeah taking a life in your hand with every wipe i like the double ply the soft stuff you know what I'm saying? Oh, dude, because you're precious, <laughs> baby. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in uh, 1935, Northern Tissue, which is another big uh, toilet paper brand here, they boasted a splinter-free toilet tissue in an advertisement. So I think it was kind of common for you to occasionally get a splinter in your asshole every now and then. Now, it didn't really catch on in the beginning because Americans, you know, we, we have puritanical values. People, were, it was taboo. You didn't want to talk about bodily functions. So the Scott brothers were very ashamed of their, you know, the nature of their work. So they never really took proper credit for their toilet paper on a roll invention until around 1902. So when they went to family functions, this is totally like Romy and Michelle, right? They, they are like the male version of Romy and Michelle. And when they would go to family functions, they would pretend that they did other stuff over than event. To save face, yeah, because they were embarrassed. Oh my, I feel sorry for the Scott brothers. They should have just been like, do you know what? We invented toilet paper, and so one day you're going to appreciate it. You know, Kay Rambo, here's a book you probably already have, at least two copies in your library. It's a book written by <laughs> Dave Prager, Poop Culture, How America is Shaped by Its Grossest National Product. And so <laughs> uh, the author here, Dave Prager, said no one wanted to actually ask for toilet paper by name. It was so taboo you couldn't even talk about it. But by 1930, the German paper company Haeckel uh, began using the tagline, Ask for a roll of Haeckel, and you won't have to say toilet paper. Oh, stop the shame. <laughs> Haeckel sounds kind of worse. Like, I don't want to wipe my uh, pussy with a Haeckel. It sounds like a disease. Yeah, but don't you think if you lived in Germany, everybody would know what you're referring to? Like, what you're going to do with that Haeckel? A passer meinen Haeckel. But as time went on, obviously, and decades passed, uh, toilet tissue became as American as apple pie. Um... But the real acceptance of the product didn't really occur until a new technology demanded it. And the new technology was sit-down flush toilets tied to indoor plumbing systems. Because when you, when you had like an outhouse where people wouldn't shit outdoors, you didn't necessarily have to have toilet paper. You know, I mean, well, I imagine be... it would get nicked, wouldn't it? Somebody would come along and nick anything yeah. that was in your outhouse. But you need, to, now with indoor plumbing and with sit-down flush toilets, you need a product that could be flushed away with minimal damage to the pipes. So corn cobs obviously would be problematic. You know, seashells. You're lying about that. 
Well, I'm, I'm saying there's going to be some uh, drainage clogs there, you know? Uh, so toilet paper soon, like the ads for toilet paper were boasting that the products recommended by both doctors and plumbers. So at this point, it became something that, you know, could easily be flushed down. Um, but in, uh, I think it was probably 1928, the Hoburg Paper Company... They tried a different approach of toilet paper because I think at the time you had the Scott branded toilet paper, and a lot of uh, a lot of it was marketed towards women as like a feminine hygiene type product, but mostly it had to do with hygiene and like a medicinal product. But Hoberg decided to try a different approach. They introduced a brand called Charmin, and they fitted okay. the product with a with a logo that depicted a beautiful woman. So here it was like, you know, they were trying to like. Emphasize softness, femininity. It was something that uh, you don't you didn't actually focus on what it's being used for. You focused on who's using it. Can I just point out the differences in how you say it? Because over here we call it Charmaine. Charmaine, you say that? It's Charmaine. That's how it's pronounced. You'd be like, like, oh, get get the Charmaine. But there's not, it's not even spelled. That's not even spelled phonetically. It's C H A R M I N. Charmaine. Charmaine. That's how you say it over here. <laughs> Um, well, Charmaine was very successful. Uh, their their marketing strategy here uh, went over with leaps and bounds, and it helped the brand survive the actual Great Depression. Uh, also, in 1932, they began marketing economy-sized packs of four rolls. No one did that. They just sold the single rolls. So now you can get four rolls, and I think that definitely uh, helped market the product. Um Decades later, though, they definitely changed uh, the, the, their type of advertising. And people might remember this because when I was doing some research here, I was like, I remember Charmin ads as a kid. And they did. They had this very – because back then there was like a lot of eight memorable 80s ads in the States like Wendy's, Where's the Beef? It was a very famous one. Charmin was Don't Squeeze the Charmin. So if you show a picture here, this guy was like – Famous across every American household, Mr. Whipple. And I remember even at the time, I thought this guy, oh yeah, there's a there's a, a, a Scott Tissue ad here about rumors oh, susceptible. So that's why you need toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> but there he is, there he is. There's Mr. Whipple telling people not to squeeze the Charmin, but inevitably he will squeeze it himself because why he can't is this resist. Why baby so distressed on the uh, Charmaine? Because this creepy uh, old man is squeezing him. The, you don't want to have a distressed baby as any point of your like artwork or promotion. I, it, I would say this to this man. Yeah, I would probably just show like a satisfied anus, like something that's not like <laughs> no, <A> big goofy. <laughs> <laughs> just like maybe you know an anus that's not like uh, you know inflamed. Well, I'm saying it's not inflamed or splintered because of the soft toilet paper. What um, does a satisfied anus look like? I don't know, you know. I mean, it could be... Uh, it, well, it's not going to look, you know, it's not going to look like a baboon's ass. It's like swollen <laughs> and red. That's what I'm saying. It's just, it's, just like, be... it's just puckered just right, like it's nearly smiling. Just a chocolate starfish, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> but what, the thing is, though, I just remember these ads as being exceptionally creepy. Isn't he kind of creepy, Mr. Whipple? I know he's he, got a bit of like Salvador him. Dali's Nazi brother-in-law type vibe. He like. definitely has a bit of a Nazi look to him. So anyway, the ads all kind of had the same deal, and uh, we can play one here. But the, the, there, it was always about like someone was trying to squeeze a Charmin, and he'd freak out on them. So let me play this. Ready? So here it is. 
First she squeezes the tomatoes, then she squeezes the melons, and now she's squeezing the Charmin. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. But this is new Charmin bathroom tissue. It's so squeezably soft. Mrs. Logan. I just can't resist it. <laughs> if you only knew, Mrs. Logan, I can't resist it myself. See? I like to sneak a squeeze on the slide. Creepy. Squeezably soft. And that fragrant Charmin is added. Nice touch. Mr. Whipple, please don't squeeze. Almost like a pervert. Like she saw something that she well, shouldn't have seen. Well, Mrs. Logan's a pervert too. Store. She can't talk. Squeeze it at home. New Charmin bathroom tissue. Squeezably soft. So there you go. See, the don't squeeze the Charmin was like the, the big tagline. Um, I think this next one, I think this next one is, it was, it's not a current ad of theirs, but there's another one. Because, I mean, he started doing it in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I think up to 80s before Whipple retired. So let's play the second one here. Oh, my goodness. He had a long-running career. Now, repeat after me. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. Once again. Once again. Come here. Please. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. There. That'll keep him from squeezing new Charmin bathroom tissue. Do you think the bird's Please really saying don't that? squeeze the Charmin. No, but he's a Hi there, cutie. I just love this new Charmin. It's so deep down, squeezably soft. It's irresistible. Irresistible price, too. How about a kiss, baby? Soft fragrance. Ladies, That's my bird. please don't squeeze the Charmin. Fine job you did. Oh, oh. Can hardly blame them, though. So squeezably soft, I can't resist it myself. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. New squeezably soft Charmin bathroom tissue from Procter & Gamble. Take it home and squeeze it. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. There you go. But you know what's like inexplicable though? If you see the Charmin ads from this day and age, which I you know I kind of lost touch with my toilet paper advertising, mainly because I don't watch TV that much. You know, because you don't see this on Netflix, you don't see these ads on Netflix. But I don't know who they're. Uh, oh, here, let me press play too. I don't know who they're marketing this to. but just still have them. You can't pass inspection with pieces left behind. That's why they're Charmin Ultra Strong. Its enhanced diamond weave texture is soft and more durable. More durable so you're left with a more dependable clean. Fewer pieces left behind, plus all that Charmin softness. Looks good, son. Charmin Ultra Strong. Enjoy the go. Also try Charmin Freshmates for a cleaner clean. See... That's the thing I don't understand. So what, that bear had dingleberries? And so they're saying Charmin doesn't give you dingleberries? Uh, I think that's what they were implying, that all of a toilet paper that is not Charmin gives you dingleberries. It's, it's, I don't get it. And is it being marketed towards children because it's like animated with these creepy I pink want, bears? I want it to be marketed back towards birds because that's my target audience. I, I do like the parrot being trained to say, don't squeeze a Charmin. I wonder if there is, I bet you that bird might still even be alive. He, so, I was thinking that bird, if properly looked after, will still be alive. It's probably on its, birds usually go for about four or five owners. So it could be on its last it's probably in a, owner by now. He's probably in a bird sanctuary teaching all the other birds to say, don't squeeze a Charmin. I hope he is. God bless you, bird, wherever you are. 
All right, here's the last ad for, this must be posh toilet paper because I've never even heard of this one. I definitely never used it. I'm intrigued. Kashmir. Kashmir is softness. Kashmir is luxurious. Keep in mind, this is on your asshole. Kashmir <laughs> is irresistible. Kashmir is now in a bathroom tissue. <laughs> That's it. I've never heard of this one. I've never heard of cashmere toilet paper, but I kind of, I'm going to, next time I go to the store, I'm going to look for some though. Steve, can I just point out that literally all your enemies are going to be saying like, look how far he's come. He has to podcast about toilet paper now. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing toilet paper adverts on his podcast. Hey, it's apropos for post Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, I believe you. I've never celebrated Thanksgiving. I'll take your word for it. So definitely by the 70s, toilet paper was ingrained within our culture. Um, You know, in 1978, there's a TV Guide poll that named Mr. Whipple, uh, the Don't Squeeze the Charmin guy, the third best known man in America behind former President Richard Nixon and Reverend Billy Graham. He was that popular. What the fuck? I've never even heard of this man. Well, he's a famous guy, and he definitely led to the United States spending more than $6 billion a year on toilet paper currently. Isn't that crazy? Is that, it's a lot is of money. after the pandemic? Well, you know, during the, that was kind of crazy, too, during the pandemic because there was that toilet paper shortage. What I would have loved is if during that pandemic is that the original Mr. Whipple died of a heart attack because he was so overcome with emotion by how far the human beings had fallen. Well, that guy had to have died like fucking in the 90s. No, no, he, he died in the pandemic in my mind. I've forget the COVID. Did you guys, were you guys um, faced with that, the toilet paper shortage yes. over there? Because yes. it was it was crazy here. Like I remember at first I had been reading about it, but then it was like, I don't, I doubt that's going to happen. But then I remember going with um, my ex-girlfriend to the Rite Aid and there's just no toilet paper. And it was just like gone. No paper towel. It's like, what are you supposed to use to wipe your ass? I was very lucky because my um, my birthday was a couple of weeks before like the first kind of panic set in in the March. And uh, my mum for my birthday that year had done like a really big food shop with me. She paid for it all. So I had like 50 toilet papers. Oh, you had 50 toilet on. paper rolls and you just, just backed to up. Last me. You were a hoarder. I was, already, I was already ready. I was like, this was me to last me until September. So seeing everyone panic by, I felt like, um, you know, I'm king of the hill. I felt like I was just already ahead of the curve, just laughing at people. Just hoarding like, it. I, I think a lot of people, mine. well, a lot of people were doing it. I remember going to the grocery store and seeing people with like six, and they, they put limits. They, they capped you. You could only buy like two packs or something. You couldn't buy like eight packs. And people were going did, crazy. I did think it was funny that that's what mankind has come down to. It's It comes down Toilet to paper being animals are having toilet paper it's like toilet paper is very easily replaceable just use a thick what were you calling it a bog rag bog cloth a bog a bog rag as if you've never heard of that before i've never Um, heard of a bog rag yeah right the toilet paper market in the united states has largely plateaued though uh the real growth in the industry is happening in developing countries because that's where like toilet paper is kind of new they say that toilet paper revenue in brazil has doubled since 2004 um Maybe it's because of disposable income or changing demographics, but you can mark the spread 
of globalization by the spread of Western, like Western bathroom practices, if you think about it. Because we, you know, that's a part of our culture. And I think before, people never really fully embraced it, but now it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, we have indoor plumbing, we have sit-down toilets, let's just adopt their toilet paper. Are we going to talk about Japanese toilets now? Well, that's the thing. Um, when you think about, like, would America and, like, the Western world, like, uh, ever leave toilet paper behind? Because it's probably not the most environmentally friendly. I mean, I guess it's they do make biodegradable toilet paper, but production costs are rising. I mean, it costs $6 billion a year. It's how much we spend on toilet paper. Uh, you know, pulp has become more expensive. There's energy costs. Even uh, water has become more difficult to use, especially in like, California. And toilet paper companies might need to keep hiking up their prices, especially as, as global warming persists. So the question is, if toilet paper becomes a luxury item, will we still purchase it? Or will we have to go find something else? And a lot of people do live without it, and such as Japan. If you look in Japan, the Toto washlet, an amazing piece of technology. I actually used it myself many times, even when I wasn't shitting just because I enjoyed it that much. But we've got a picture here of the Toto washlet. It's a toilet that comes equipped with a bidet and an air blower. Very popular. Yeah, I bet you Whipple would have been upset. That's not bad. No, those are the Chinese toilets. I was going to get to that. In China, they still, like many places in India and China, they still use just a hole in the ground. A hole in the ground. No, but this is the high-tech Japanese toilet here. And it's called Toto, like that awful Toto's a ma- that I absolutely hate. Yeah, Toto's a manufacturer, but I think it's called like the Washlet. Uh, but as you can see, like there's, a, some of these even play music. Like you can just play different music, like shit music. Will it play like a Merciful Fate song? Will it play Melissa as you're I defecating? I don't know if... Because uh, that would be very romantic. I don't know if you can program it, but that'd be kind of cool. Or does it just play like little jingles to spur you on? Islands in the stream. I've just, I've just seen the, the, the like the um, um what the pictures on the buttons. So like, there's air being blown into your asshole, and there's water. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. Well, I think. No wonder you spent nine days in Japan. Check, check out the next, like the next picture down. There's a, this is more of like a close up of it. Most of the toys, not oh. that one. That's the Chinese one. Come back. Oh, I've got that twice. Sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're fired. Um, No, but there's a, (laughs) they show you like the toilet. Usually they're not super elaborate, but it's usually on the arm of the toilet is like the control panel. You you can can like press the air and you can do all sorts of stuff with it. But yeah, as I was saying, like um, water, and as I was mentioning this in India, is still one of the most common methods of self cleaning in many places in India, the Middle East, Turkey, and Asia. They still depend on a bucket and a spigot. And you look at the Chinese toilets. Um, the next picture there, they're just these squat toilets. Like I remember my friend P-Town was in China and he was just like, dude, it's literally a hole in the ground. Like he was on a boat on the, uh, the Yangtze and there's just a hole that you could just shit right into it. And he was like, you go to the toilet and there's like, you know, a couple turds and you had like a little brush that you can just like knock the turd in. Well, I told you that story about in Istanbul where I went into the bathroom where it was exactly that and then there was just a bin full of shit rags. Butt cloths. And I just, 
I had to get yeah bog class. No, I was in. I was, I, my Western sensibilities. I had to clutch my pearls. I covered up my ankles, and I was out of there. I was like, I'm too Victorian for this. I was disgusting I too. I remember when I went to Turkey. I was just. I remember going in there. Luckily, I just had to piss. But I remember going in there being like, holy shit! People actually have to like squat and shit in one of these. Supposed to be better for your digestion. So I, I in Japan, right? Digestive system. I must ask this: but the women must be having orgasms when They've they're shitting. Be, if there's that much oh, water on the... pressure being being like spat at your pussy, you're coming. There's I don't no think doubt it's about it. Powerful enough, though. It's not like oh, being under a be faucet. No, nah, I've had it on my minutes. ass. I don't know. Maybe, but possibly. I guess maybe you can uh, change the uh, you know the power. I thought you could spray. change it. So that it's it it's kind of, but it's it's more of just sort of, a, it's not like a hard jet spray. It's not like being under like a, the tap in your fucking bathtub, you know? Well, when I, we go to Japan, it will be what I'm going to comment on. You have to try it. So you, if I can, the toilets make me come or not. I'm just going to leave you with this here because this is interesting. As I was doing research, I came across something that I've always wondered. I've often wondered this myself. Blind people. How do they know when they're done wiping? You just kind of know, though. How? If you can't see, if you can't tell. You can just tell they like the texture of it. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> no, okay. I know, but I like the texture. But it's a very visual process. Like you wipe and you still still see some shit on the toilet paper. So then you throw it away, get another one, wipe again. There's a, a still a faint trace, faint trace until eventually it's gone. And you know you're done. You've cleaned the area thoroughly. But a blind person, you're not seeing this. How would you know? Um, did they smell it? What are you saying? As if they got it on their hand? They're not going to no, sniff the toilet the paper. paper. Do they bring it close to their face and like, because, you know, they have super senses because their eyes Oh, are and see if there's like less feces on it, possibly. But the blind, you know, the thing is, if everyone used a bidet, I don't think it'd be a problem because they would just wipe, you know, wash their ass in the bidet. But they don't have access to a bidet. So... They only know they're clean simply based on the tactile response. And when you think about it. Well, the tactile response, if it's if the toilet paper still feels gritty, you know it's still shitty. Yes, the texture, mate. Come on. I that's now that's a good tactile. I have my glasses on. I kind of qualify as being partially blind. I'm a specky Becky. I just know. That's a good that's a good tagline. If it still feels gritty, it's probably still shitty. (laughs) I like that. Um, but yeah, I guess you'd have to like pay attention to how easily or not it slides across the anus. Like a rougher glide means you got to probably do a little more cleaning if you think about it. And once you're getting close to clean, it's probably a little more sensitive down there. You know, it's not like you don't want an inflamed anus. You can just, you can just tell when your asshole is kind of clean or not. You can just tell, but I mean, I would have thought I'm just saying, it's more difficult. Person, you would use wet wipes just to be sure. Yeah, I've, I've often wondered like that, or like people who have no arms, like, what are they doing? What do they do? What do people with no arms do? How do they must have what the Romans had, and they'll have a stick with a sponge on the end. Definitely. But they use their flippers. I don't know. There's a lot of questions about it, but thankfully we have toilet paper and thankfully Americans gave toilet paper to the world so you can wipe your ass after your fourth Thanksgiving dump. Say thank you to the Chinese for inventing it first. So. Well, okay, yeah. We just uh, marketed it a little bit better. They invented lots of fun stuff like fireworks. Thank you, China. Those yeah. are. We should give thanks to China for you toilet paper, fireworks, invented? COVID. 
pizza. Oh, no way. Yes way. They I thought Mexicans the invented first pizza. Recorded example of pizza is Chinese. I thought Mexicans invented pizza. I've been to Taco Bell. They have Mexican pizza there. I've always wanted to try the, the Taco Aztecs. Pizza. Yeah, it's an Aztec, will, an ancient Aztecan recipe. I will be thankful for toilet paper after I try the Taco Bell pizza for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't forget to pack your bog cloth. Uh, people says episode 819 of Sick and Wrong. Um, I promise we'll get grosser when we get to the phone calls, which are coming up next. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey guys, it's Steven again. Just calling from heaven through a miracle of cybernetic processes. Just to say... Thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. So we got a few phone calls to get to here. 323-522-4032 is the number. Um... First call we got is a guy who's very concerned about my laminated COVID vaccine card, which is uh, no longer needed. Hey, Dee. Um, I was just calling about your uh, laminated uh, uh, COVID vaccination card. If you go to ca.gov and search for smart health card, takes about five minutes. You can register. They already have your records, and uh, they produce a downloadable QR code that has all your uh, vaccination information on it. And uh, Jesus, that's some big brother shit. So you just sign. You basically yeah. just sign up, and they're just wow. So they already plant a microchip in your arm, <laughs> and now you're just signing up on their website, just activating the chip. Come on, man. This is like what they've got over here. This is a California keeping up with the NHS. I like it. No, I, I agree with that. I think it'd be a lot easier to have that. But you guys are weird about it. Like you go into a restaurant. It's like, I'm going to put my phone on to, to get contact tracing. Well, yeah. If you don't have it on your phone, then you have to sit there and fill out a form. I would just rather do it on my phone so I don't have to like sit and, you know, use those words. So like, what- I know how to spell. What they make us do is we got to show our vax card. Like you either go in, you got to show your proof of vaccination, you show your driver's license. Like it, it, it's they definitely have really? full cavity search. Yeah, they like they go all the way now. Well, you're very good at cleaning uh, um, your colon, and, and they like thank this. they thank me every time, every I time. Bet they do. Yeah, so does TSA. Um, but no, they they definitely. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense to have one. You know, to be honest, if it makes this fucking virus go away. I swear to God, you know, but you know what's funny? Quick tangent. Um, so I was saying, like, you know, having the Vax card is like a flex on a dating app because you can be like, oh, I'm vaxxed, whatever. But you know what? Not being vaxxed seems to be a new flex. I've been seeing all these memes of girls being like, looking for an unvaccinated dick, unvaxxed dick. Yeah, and then, but- the, well, I mean, I don't know if it's if they're all like crazy MAGA or QAnon type girls, but there's a guy it is. I saw on uh, on Instagram that had a shirt that's like. It said unvaccinated, ready to fuck. And he had a, he was starting his own like uh, uh, sperm clinic with just unvaccinated sperm because he says that's probably going to be worth a ton of money in the next 10 years. 
This is like a reverse Handmaid's Tale. No one wants your disgusting unvaccinated <laughs> sperm, mate. No one wants your retarded sperm. Your unvaxed sperm? It's unvaxed. You're an idiot. And I don't want to partake in this. But okay, as a, I guess, a connoisseur of cum, what do you I think know. tastes better? Vax sperm or unvaxed sperm? Or is no difference? Uh, I have yet to kind of really sample on. Vax sperm. Well, you've had on vax sperm for years. Well, yeah, I have, I guess. It's just so, do you notice the difference just with don't the vax? Smoke. The only thing that changes cum texture is smoking. Any smoker out there who's listening to that gun, no, it really does. It makes your cum more phlegmy if you're a smoker. What about weed? Um, same with weed. If you smoke Ooh. a lot of weed, it makes your cum phlegmy, like less moisture, which isn't nice to swallow and have in your mouth. So, smokers. Take my advice and just stop. It'll make you live longer and you'll get more blowjobs. And your sperm are a little stupider. Like they don't know how to swim properly because they're too stoned to do sperm it. Sperm are kind of adorable in a weird way, aren't they? I like drawing them. <laughs> well, I'm glad tables. you think so. <laughs> it's kind of handy to have. Only takes five minutes. Anyway, um, congratulations. Congratulations on the nuptials. Uh, Thank you. You make a very... Disgusting Happy couple. See <laughs> <laughs> you later. I like that pregnant pause there. You guys make a very happy we, couple <laughs> we are the, we are definitely the couple where it's like oh let's get them around to come for dinner and then we have a couple of drinks and we start talking about the history of toilet paper and when we talk about oh is that how you wipe your asshole no this is how i wipe my asshole and before long you're like why did i ever do this they're never coming around ever again it's interesting you say that because i'm i've been wondering why i'm not invited to as many thanksgiving dinners as i used to be I used to get like at least like three or four invitations, but this year is only one. I'll look forward to when people, are, you know, your friends will invite me around because they'll be intrigued to meet your like your British wife. She's and I'll British. Come over and be like, "Hello, governors," <laughs> and I'll just be really obnoxious and like English drunk, and I'll be like, "This is the way things are in my country." My country got a bog cloth. We don't use toilet paper. Waste of money. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this next call here is, uh, remember Christina, the um, uh, borderline ex-porn oh star? Oh my God, sexy Christina. How yeah, ever very Christina? sexy. Um, she called in here with um, a follow-up. Love it. Hi, Candy. It's Christina calling back. Thank you so much for the compliments. I'm very excited uh, to tell you more about my mental illness. <laughs> um, Please do. So I guess, uh, you know, borderline personality disorder can look like a lot of different illnesses, like uh, bipolar disorder or, um, you know, even narcissistic personality disorder. But the one thing it's characterized, or just a couple of things that's characterized by, is this, like, fear, intense fear of rejection or abandonment, which makes so much sense. Because I, I write, but I, I, I can't submit my work because I'm so afraid of getting rejected, even though it's just so normal. Um, well, so wait, so if you're bipolar, you don't have that? That's a symptom just a borderline, is to, is fear I, of rejection. I think they're all under the same umbrella, but they're all different things. Christina, send me your writing. I'll read it. I'll read your writing. But the fact of the matter is a lot of people do have that fear of rejection. It's a natural just in general, human it's a natural emotion. Thing, yeah. I think but what she's saying is, is that it literally stops her from yeah. doing things that could make her 
like you know attempt goals and stuff like that but i would totally read her writing in a heartbeat send me it i'll read it that's what i, I say shove it up a flagpole see who salutes it yeah uh but you'll see Words that in like other relationships too and then uh you know we have some impulsivity thrown in we've got some inappropriate uh behavior thrown in no wonder she likes this podcast uh, it could be a good time, but usually it is not. It ends up being a lot of uh, crazy relationships. I'll see if I can uh, get through this story in this phone call. Otherwise, I'll call back. But um, such a relationship that brought me to the point of, like, needing medication. I've met a Buddhist um, through a cousin of mine. She worked at a facility that I wasn't aware was a halfway house. But she told me, hey, you should um, see this guy. He's really nice. You could be friends. And he was very different than all the other guys at the halfway house. You know, are Buddhists sober? Like, is that a sober thing? Like, Buddhist or sobriety? Is that part of Buddhism? Yes. But my first warning would have been like, he's not like all the other people in the halfway house. I mean, he's in a halfway house. He's exactly <laughs> like all the others. Probably the reason he's I'm there. Sorry. But do, do you yeah. remember like back. Oh, it's probably in the 90s. There are all those like hardcore bands, but they were also Buddhist, like uh, Shelter. People remember Shelter. There was, like, there was this like branch of like these straight edge hardcore bands that were also Buddhist for some reason. I remember I that picking the, up. The thing I most appreciate <clears throat> about the Buddhists is obviously they believe in the circle of life, but they believe that everyone on their second time around becomes a pigeon, which I think is adorable because I love pigeons. <laughs> A pigeon, huh? Yeah. Everybody? Does anyone become a turkey? Everyone's a pigeon the second time around. So you should be very kind to pigeons in your lifetime now because mm. you'll become a pigeon. And so obviously it was like, hell yeah. Um, cut to three months later and I'm engaged to this guy. And <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> how crazy it had been. He had no money. He ran up all of his credit cards on me. Um, and Buddhists the, get credit cards? And I, yeah, you wouldn't think they would want like material wealth. I thought Buddhists wealth. didn't get money. I thought they didn't have material. This guy is like totally under the I'm a Buddhist, like I'm a straight edge. Yeah, but I can still smoke weed. He's not a deal. Buddhist monk. I think he's like a guy that just believes in Buddhist principles. Yeah, but you could... I, I don't get it. I actually don't know. I don't know. Sure well, I'm they got to use something to buy those robes. I imagine it'd be credit cards. Uh, I hate to say it, but I encouraged it. Uh, the nice. craziest thing, though, was that he was a paranoid schizophrenic who believed he was being gang-stalked, meaning oh. that no matter what, everything, when he goes outside, he believes that there is a major conspiracy against him that is torturing him and raping him daily. This relationship has a bright future. I can tell it's going to work out. So you can just never go outside of this man. You can never be like, oh, come on, let's just go and get some fries. Let's, yep. just, let's just go and get some fries. And we'll go for a couple of drinks. He's like, I can't go outside. He's definitely marriage material, though. I can say that for sure. Well, as soon as she found out he was in the halfway house, <laughs> she, <laughs> she knew he was the one for her. So he would tell me about that in long, long emails about how he's afraid that, you know, they're taking his brain and harvesting his organs and everything time he sleeps over my house he's trying to protect me and from getting my organs harvested 
And, I want to see it. Uh, well, let me tell you, that was not the breaking point. <laughs> the breaking point was the sex. Usually I will stay with a crazy person if the sex is fantastic. In this case, uh, ugh, gross, bro. I didn't think I'd be grossed out. I usually am so good at like swallowing. <laughs> oh, wait, she calls back. That was a cliffhanger. I was going to say, keep going, Christina. You're getting to like the total, literally juicy parts. Yeah, you know, I would say like I couldn't imagine the sex being that great, but this guy's mental. So it might be like he's fucking because this might be the last time he's ever going to fuck again. Well, that could be really amazing because he's fucking like he's never going to fuck again. That's you what I'm saying. Or he could be completely distracted by the people gang stalking him while he's fucking. I'm actually surprised he could come. He probably, I'm surprised he could maintain an erection. I bet he doesn't have the healthiest of diets because he doesn't go outside in the sun. I wonder if he has unvaccinated sperms. I bet he fucking does, man. <laughs> Christina, dodge a bullet. Christina again. So as I was saying before, the sex is gross, though. And as you it's know, uh, you know, like I've, I'm sure I've talked a lot about the different sex that I've had uh, with different people in different bodies. So she's very what? experienced. No, she's very experienced. She's a. Well, I mean, she was Christina, a porn. She, like, she did all porn for years. If yeah. she's wanting to talk about them, there is a whole new audience now, and I've not heard a lot of these stories. Oh yeah, feel free to call back in, rehash feel these free. tales. Yeah, Christina, this is your therapy, like. I smoke so much weed, I don't even remember the stories from like a week ago. It is funny because I'm listening to like From the Ville and sometimes I'll send D, I'll like screen record clips and send it to D and D's like, oh yeah, Wackily had a sci-fi group. Like, well, you'd never do it. In my defense, I try to repress a lot of those memories, all right? <laughs> For my own health. Not, nothing is really uh, outrageous to me. This guy, and I used to be so, I used to be so into swallowing cum, too. Like, that was fun for me at a certain point. <laughs> this guy ruined it. He ruined it all oh, future no. men that I may fuck in the future. Because uh, I was going down on him, and he wanted me to bite his penis until he came. And it wasn't... Whoa. Did, have, you ever, have you ever had that request where you had to, like, bite... I have had a guy, uh, a boyfriend, actually, who liked it being nibbled to the point where he would like, yeah, you were kind of like, ah, gnawing like what, on like it. gnawing like on a, the foreskin, like a like a dog on a schmacko, you'd be like gnawing on it, not on his foreskin, on his actual bell end. Hmm. Yeah, but I wonder. I would always be wary. I'm like, I'm not going to. Is it very sensitive? This. And not to mention, I mean, can it get ruptured or something or a tear? Yeah, you have to be like kind of gentle, but it sounds like this guy wants real like domination. He wants it bit. Yeah, you should get a pit bull. So it'd be all like just like a little like what? It would be bloody cum. I imagine. Yeah, well, that's teething, kind of like a baby. But he really wanted me to chomp. He wanted me to bite it off. He wanted it <laughs> Jesus, like that badly, and I was freaking out and he was screaming and it was the worst i bite me baby bite me <laughs> i feel bad like it, like don't let this ruin you the like fuck this guy like let other men come in your mouth and eventually someone will come in your mouth and it'll just totally eradicate that memory that's usually how it goes well it's kind of funny how there's like 
I don't know. There's been a plethora of red flags here. <laughs> Halfway home, the gang stalking, the Buddhism. Buddhism. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> now it's like the biting of the dick while getting oral sex. That would, uh, that sounds to me like the last straw. You know? Yeah. And then wanting bloody cum. I don't, want bloody cum. I don't know. I actually wonder too, are there other teeth marks on his cock? Like, would you be like, a girlfriend. Well, I'm just picturing looking like a dog's chew toy or something, Ooh, you know, like a Kong toy, <laughs> like a well, well, just but with like all these random teeth marks in it. I didn't, I'd, I would be perplexed. Everyone, Not you, but uh, I can't. That was traumatic. So after that, I had to cut it loose. It was really bad. Yeah. Um, but that's when I knew, after that, I started having symptoms and really feeling traumatized. And that's when I knew that I should get checked out and diagnosed by a psychiatrist, which has taken years, but finally did it. On a separate note, I have a quick question. I had a very upsetting time in the shower today as I looked down at my sweet, sweet pubic muff and noticed that I have a gray hair. I have a gray <gasps> hair. Christina, this just happened to me. Let me know your thoughts. Well, I guess this is, so it just happened to you. Did you shave it all off or what did you do? It happened to me this week. You got a gray hair. This is the first time I was like, this is, I have like little gray hairs in the very front of like my fringe or bangs as the American call it. But I don't mind them because they're growing in in like a flash. Like I'm rogue from the X-Men. Like a shock of gray hair. yeah. Yeah, like a shock. So I'm fine with them. But then like the other day, I noticed that I had a gray hair in my pubes and it totally reminded me of that sex in the city moment where you won't know this, the, the chicks know what I'm talking about. There's a sex in the city moment where um, Samantha, the horse, oh, the horse the face character. Wait, is no, that horse that's face? Carrie. Oh. That's um, Sarah, uh, Jessica Parker. Oh. Kim Cattrall's the cool one. Oh yeah. She's yeah, the only yeah. good she's, character. But she's like the slut of the crew, right? She is, yeah. yeah. But she she's like in her forties, and she discovers like a gray hair on her minge. So she dyes her minge hairs, but they turn green, and then she doesn't know what to do to do about it because her boyfriend really likes a fuller bush. And, and she's, she's got a like, green minge. But she her iconic line from the episode is she goes, "This can't get old." Like her pussy can't get old. It's okay if your face gets old, your tits get old, but your pussy can't get old, can it? Because the boys don't want no pussy is the whole moral message of that, that entire episode. But I, mean, I noticed sense. my gray hair this week, and I was like, this is like the longest gray hair I have. Did you pluck like, it or did you leave it? Head. I have it since uh, like trimmed back the forest. Oh, okay. So, you remo- so are you saying that Christina should pluck this gray hair and or just let it go? I was... Be natural. I was just shocked I hadn't noticed it sooner because I, I reckon I have like lighter hair because like my hair does kind of go like nearly s- I've got like dark blondy brown hair I would say it's very light brunette hair that I have so was it a gray hair or a blonde hair that you found that's what I spent about three days pondering this before I, I just gave up and was like that's a gray hair and it's gonna go so you're saying she should pluck it because there comes a point it, where you can't pluck it anymore. No, don't tweeze it because I have also another Samantha from Sex and the City quote is that if you tweeze it, then five more come to its funeral. So don't tweeze it. Just like, you got to accept it. I guess, it. I guess it comes to a point where it's just like, just 
let it go and just and just be natural with it. What I what I recommend, or at least I guess I do, is a finely shorn scrotum. Shave it all off. As I say, you must have you you remember the war. You remember black and white telly. Oh, believe me, I have a few gray ball hairs. Shave it all off. Your pubics must all be gray. It must be silver. No, not not there. not actually. Really, the pubics aren't, but the balls get like a silver balls. silver gray hair. So I just keep it finely shorn. Women love a shorn scrotum. It's smooth. I like. I can't have it fully fully all like. I like to have hair. So it, I was due a trim. So it's it's gone down now. It's less noticeable. But I'm sure if when it when the forest grows out again, I'm going to it like I'm a Ted Hughes in a Ted Hughes. <laughs> When my pubes grow out again, I'll probably notice it more. Well, you'll see. I actually don't think a little like salt and pepper pubes is all that unattractive, though. I think it's kind of sexy on a chick. Yeah. yeah I'd be into it. I feel like women just get sexier as they get older. It adult. might be weird, though, if you had like a full Steve Martin going on down there where it's just like bright white oh, slash silver. Wouldn't yeah. that be a little odd? Like a Leslie Nielsen yeah. scrotum? If you're... Actually, I think that could be a selling point if you still have dark hair on top and then completely like gray pubes. I think that would be super sexy. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I could see yeah. that working. I could see that working. Because you've got the wisdom in the pants, but the beauty up above. I, I say just shave, shave off, shave the balls. Smooth, shorn scrotum. Women Don't love shave it. everything. Just trim it. I mean, it happens. We, you know, it's a privilege to get older, and these things happen to us as we get older. So you just got to roll with it. You just got to go with the times. Just Some you advice know. from Sick and Wrong, the podcast. Uh, people call Sick and Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. And uh, keep it under three minutes. We'll play your call here. Um, big plug for our uh, second show over on Patreon, which has really taken off. Uh, people seem to enjoy the second show quite a bit. Um, I'd almost say it rivals the main show. I think part, partially because it's like, you know, we get a little personal with our lives on there. I mean, it's a limit to how personal we can get here because we got to talk about toilet paper and other very important things. But on the second show, you know, it's kind of just like it's just wild. personal lives. So like this week I was chatting about my Thanksgiving dinner over at uh, Ryan Keeley's. Um, I bought a lot of Jewish food. I bought some challah, some rugelach. All What's the, that? It's, like it's kind of like this like pastry. It's like a chocolate kind of pastry. Ooh. Yeah, people like it. Um, you know, Ryan Keeley actually made this. I wonder if they had this over there. I've never had one, and actually I'm quite repulsed by it. But it's called, she made a turducken. Oh, a turd yeah. that exists Uckin. so fucking here. <laughs> they make turduckins. That is basically <laughs> you're killing all my favorite animals and stuffing them into each and other. Just I stuffing so them offended. into each other. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, but I cannot be in the same it's, room as this. It's like a dead bird lasagna in a way. Uh, no, this is like all my favorite animals, like <laughs> it's stuffed inside of gross. each other. I can't handle it. I love all those animals. Well, I was wondering, like, do they do this for other forms of meat? Like, do they take like venison and lamb and, and pig or hog or whatever and just put them all in one big chunk? Well, they're not really related to each other, are they? You'd have to take like the bovine family and shove all them together. Oh, so wait, you're saying take a wildebeest and shove that with a no, gnu? No, 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 no. A wildebeest is a gnu. Anyway, I talk about um, Ryan's turducken. 
on the uh, the, the second show. But it's, it's a lot of fun. We discuss uh, personal stories, some current life events. We do a news story. news story this week is all about some Thanksgiving violence that inevitably occurs. I mean, that's, that's my favorite thing about Thanksgiving and the holidays in general is the violence that occurs when you're forced to be around your family. And we do some phone calls as well. Uh, that show is released every Sunday, just like the main show, only five bucks a month. And for a few bucks more, you can get the Sick and Wrong News, where we kind of do our weekly news roundup. Uh, this week, we had an article here about a woman who was allegedly caught breastfeeding her hairless cat on a Delta Airlines flight. By and woman, they mean D. Simon. Well, sometimes Cal man needs a little bit of bitty. Bitty bitty. Keeps his bones stronger. <laughs> but anyway, no, this woman really was caught breastfeeding a cat on a Delta Airlines flight. And uh, they weren't cool with it. They thought it was untoward. Bruce? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there's also an Italian gynecologist who uh, was offering to have sex with women to cure the HPV virus. The cause yeah. and cure to everyone's problems. It's Italian uh, guy now. Well, don't me and you both have the HPV virus. If I'm we sure everybody does. Italian, so I'm sure everybody does. But I just don't know what this guy, but this guy's dick was like a miracle cure. Find out on the Sick and Wrong News. Also, we do our Sick and Wrong bonus mini-sode, Overkill. Um, this week, uh, Kate was talking about the shittiest death in modern history. Hisashi Auchi. Hisashi Auchi. Yeah, you can hear me badly mispronounce Japanese words. And there's some, uh, so if you if you were a Brit of a certain age, as in in the 1970s, protect and survive. I talk about that. It'll freak some some Brits out. Protect and survive. Uh, yeah. All that and more on the Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/sickandwrong. We appreciate your support in the show. Also, if you want to get a good holiday gift, you know there's like a. Black Friday sale that's never ending over at the uh, the the T Public Source. Go to sickerompodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope, and yeah, buy all your uh, loved ones some sick and wrong merch. Finally, here's sick and wrong song of the week. This is uh, topical for a couple of reasons. One, um, Hank Von Hell, the former lead singer of uh, Norwegian death punk band Turbo Negro, died last Friday, and uh, I was waiting to do a tribute to this week's episode because I knew we were going to talk about toilet paper and we could play a Turbo Negro song that's very appropriate for this topic. Um, but yeah, I'm gutted to find out that Hank Von Hell, who hasn't been singing for Turbo Negro for quite some time, um, but he died this past Friday at only age 49. It's uh, no surprise though. Come on. Oh my God. Like, this, I know it's wild sad. living with this guy. Sad. It's no surprise. It's one of those things. Cause of death is not known at this time. Really, it's fucking known. <laughs> I think I could take. A, I think I could yeah. take a wager here. Um, the band posted to their uh, Instagram account. We're thankful for the times, the moments, and the magic we shared with Hans Eric um, von Hell and Turbo Negro during the years from 1993 to 2009. Um, one of the best, one of my favorite live shows. I was fortunate enough to see them like when they did, like it was like the late 90s, right after Apocalypse Dude came, came out. I think it was like 98. Yeah, we saw them on the same tour, I think. Well, did you I see them in early the 2000s? Same. That was a Scandinavian leather tour, which I saw them on that yeah. one too. I saw them on that, but they obviously toured a lot more. Over in Europe, like, yeah. You would see Turbo Negro on everything every year. They would play the entire They played massive, show, massive shows in Europe and in uh, Norway and Sweden. Always a fun, great band to go see. And Hank was just one of those people that was so unpredictable. I mean, there were times when he would shove like bottle rockets in his ass 
and just shoot them out over the crowd. Or um, what was that? Uh, uh, I think Scandinavian leather tour. You had like buckets of blood and was just like pouring blood on people. Yeah, I remember the blood. It's like uh, Christina mentioned Gigi. He, <laughs> Hank definitely had a kind of Gigi vibe, but a bit more sanitary. But yeah, yeah. But, right, yeah. He wasn't throwing <laughs> shit around, you know. I mean, no, just bottle rockets, maybe with some shit on them. Yeah. You know, but and he also kind of had that like sort of merciful fate type eye makeup going on there. Merciful fate slash with a uh, kiss. Um, but they they were amazing and uh, a great band to see live. Um, he was born Hans Eric Divik Husby, also known as Hank Van Helvete. Uh, Hank Van Helvete joined Turbo Negra in 1993, became part of the band's signature lineup. Uh, during their mid to late 90s period, the group released four albums, including uh, 1998's Apocalypse Dudes, which people consider the pinnacle of their, uh, their career. It's one of my favorite records, but I love Ask Cobra, the one that came out right before it. Yeah. I would recommend no. Ask Cobra, Apocalypse Dudes, and Scandinavian Leather is a fun one as well. As I say, those first three albums are just like a really good fun. Great. Yeah. Those, well, they had a couple before that were like, I think they were kind of getting their sound together. And then when Ask yeah. Cobra came out and Apocalypse Dudes and Scandinavian Leather, it's like all like strong albums. And they did a couple more like Party Animals, which is all right, but... Yeah. Anyway, after joining the band, uh, he started really getting into heroin and uh, he's very depressed. Uh, the group broke up December 1998, shortly after uh, Apocalypse Dudes. And then uh, they took a three year hiatus. And that's when Von Hell went to uh, rehab. And then they reunited in 2002 and released three more records with uh, Hank, including Scandinavian Leather, Party Animals, and Retox. Um, but anyway, we're going to end the show here with an appropriate song. Wipe It Till It Bleeds off of uh, 2003 Scandinavian Leather. Uh, rest in power, Hank Von Hell. You will be missed. Oh, yeah. People will be back next week with episode 820. Till then, take a sleazy.